Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking some time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have my boy in the place to be always, J.O. here joining me as we chop it up always over the classics. Jay, thank you once again for joining us, my brother, as we head into this post-Independence Day weekend. Hope that y'all enjoyed y'all holiday, wherever y'all were, of course, so... We're going to, of course, chop it up again. Big shout out to all of the listeners stateside and worldwide for showing support. Y'all have really showed out on these last two episodes that we've done in reviews with Nocturnal and Reasonable Doubt. And we got another one going up, but we got a loaded schedule coming up. So we appreciate y'all for sticking with us and continuing to tune in. We got much, much more lined up for the rest of this summer and throughout 2021 as well. Like we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault. Hashtag nothing but the classics. And today, Jay, it's a recurring theme because we're going back to 1996 today. And considering the time, it's one of a couple of albums that we'll be covering here on The Vault. But the one that we did last week was, I say, a seminal album and an important album in the year. And then also for the 90s, this one is also one as well. Now, of course, what are we going back to again? We're going to go back to 1996 and July 2nd. To the second studio album by Nas it was written released on Columbia Records of course this was the follow up to Nas's album Illmatic which came out in 1994 the critically acclaimed and much ballyhooed Illmatic which of course many people considered among the best hip hop albums of all time runtime of 58 minutes and 29 seconds on Columbia Records the producers on this executive produced by Steve Stout but the Associate producers, DJ Premier, Havoc, Poke and Tone, the Trackmasters, Rashad Smith, LES, the Live Squad, and an appearance by Dr. Dre, who produced the track on this as well. Three singles on it was written, If I Ruled the World, which came out in June 4th of that year, Street Dreams, which came out on October 22nd, and The Message, which was released on February 3rd, ninety-seven. This, again, was the follow-up to Illmatic, Jay. It was written, the album. Um, good def- times. Good times. And definitely, if you want to talk about more po- the more the one of the more polarizing albums amongst fan bases in hip-hop, this definitely would be at the top of the list because the attitude and also the perception of this album has changed greatly. We talked about this last week with Reasonable Doubt. How we feel as though it went from being a, like a dope album to being incredibly dope to being damn near flawless to being a classic within the 25 years that since its release. This one has probably changed about the same, but it still is very polarizing in regards to who you talk to about this album. Some people you talk to think it's really, really good. Some people you talk to will say that it's uh, it's OK, it's good. And some will say that it's actually compared to its predecessor is whack. But, of course, I think this is one of the biggest things that this album suffers from is the fact that it followed up an album like Illmatic. And I think that's why there's such a polarizing reaction to this album when it came out. 
one of the biggest perceptions that we had is that a lot, and I read this in a lot of actual articles and like some websites and reviews back then, that there were some hip-hop journalists and people who were covering that loved Illmatic that hated this joint. And I'm talking about reputable people. I read on rap reviews, read some stuff with DVD. Other people were like, you know, they, they thought that this joint had its bright spots, but they definitely were disappointed in it, which I think that will probably feel, as far as the polarizing reaction, is that some people were disappointed on it. I told you before we came on air, something mm-hmm. that me and another user on Twitter had a back and forth with this guy who tried to tell us that, you know, we were trying to rewrite history on this album, but I don't think that we were. I think that at best you can say that it's a polarizing reaction to this album without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I, def- I definitely disagree with that assessment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it was, I mean, Ilmac was its own thing and this is its own thing, but like yeah. I say, it's rewriting history. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are, there are other Nas albums I could go to as far as which I say did not make the mark, but yeah. this wouldn't be one of them in my assessment. Yeah. Absolutely. And so uh, this album, you know, had a tough act to follow. And then also included with this was the fact that a lot of the producers that were a part of Illmatic were not a part of this. You see DJ Premier on this yet, but there was no Pete Rock. There was no Q-Tip. LES also appears on this as well, but the majority of the production was handled by the Trackmasters. And a lot of people also had a problem with that as well. But again, I think a part of that is being able to follow up Illmatic, which is one of the best produced albums in hip hop history. The Trackmasters at that particular time, they weren't, I don't think, particularly well known. Talking about the caliber of producers from that and then, you know, not going to track masters whatsoever. But I think some people were expecting a repeat of the same producer skill set, large professor, you know, being included in that as well. So, well, let's go back to it. You know, we're in the same wheelhouse. We just talked about reasonable doubt. These came out a week apart from each other. So this coming out on July 2nd, reasonable doubt on June 25th. So let's go back, Jay, 96. And it was written. Give me your initial reaction upon listening to it when you first listened to the album. And then, of course, what how your opinion has changed, if it has, during this 25 years since it came out. The other reviews, like last week, you know what I mean? Like, 96 was just such a magical time as far as hip-hop. So, like, you know, we were kind of already, like, you know, inundated as far as, like, you know, like, with other dope releases that had come out. So by the time it was written, came out, it just, like, went along and flowed with doing that, that consistency, consistency of dopeness. Yeah. Um. And you know, one thing I would, I don't want to say Nas caved in this respect, but like going back to Illmatic, one thing I think people did complain about was like it was only 10 tracks, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, and I mean, he pretty much had people acting like lyrical musical fiends, for lack of a better term. Like, they, mm-hmm. they really wanted more. So, this go around, you know, he had, he put a, he's put some more tracks on, I think it's about 14, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but um, yeah, as far as like what I heard back then, I mean, I was impressed with it, and now listening to it now, I mean. I mean, Nas being a legend and a lot of stuff that was out back then is like Shakespearean as by today's standards. So, yeah, I mean, def- it's definitely um, held up, aged well. So, you know what I mean? Like, my appreciation for it, like, really just like, you know, just increased for it. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it just, it just, and also just takes me back to that, that 96 dopeness that was just like consistent throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and, and so just before I get into my reaction, Sort of what helped to change this, because some people, I think, also criticized the fact that the tone, like the tone in Nomadic was definitely a lot more street. It was based on, Mm -hmm. you know, his beginnings in Queensbridge, being a youth growing up from there, the stuff he had seen in the streets, being around in the hood. And it seemed a lot more. Some people said it was organic. He definitely changed his tone because his lyrics were 
a little bit, you know, he definitely took a bit of a more of a, of a more of a tone. Some people say, of course, it was more mafioso and gangster themes, you know, more mob influenced and everything else. And some people, I think that it kind of got away from what they call like that underground feel that Illmatic had that, you know, the underground loved so much. And this was definitely more commercial. But if anyone read Questlove's book, which, by the way, if you haven't read The Mo Meta Blues, The World According to Questlove, is an excellent book, and any hip-hop or music lover really should read the book. There was a section when he talked about Nas, um, the infamous chapter that he had about the 95 Source Awards from a neutral perspective of all the stuff that happened at the infamous 95 Source Awards. And he was saying that basically while everyone was focused on what was going on with Biggie and with you know, Death Row being there with Suge and the undertones of all this, you know, the Coastal War and not even that, but like the really the beef between Bad Boy and Death Row. And then after that, what you had was Questlove talking about him being there and Nas sort of being in all this. Now, mind you, Biggie won Rapper of the Year, Ready to Die won Best Rap Album, Outkast won Best New Artist, all things that Nas was up for that he didn't win. And what what Questlove said about Nas was this. Nas's body language that day told the whole story of where we were about to go. The more he got ignored from Illmatic, I literally saw his body melt in his seat, almost like he was ashamed. He just looked so defeated. I was like, yo, he's not going to be the same after this shit. None of us were the same after that day. I felt like the true underground lost his oxygen that night. I, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree. I do think that it didn't necessarily begin with that, but I think if it solidified the fact that he was going to go a different way and a different direction to Illmatic, that pretty much solidified it. Because you had about an album that was as flawless as an album could be, and he still didn't get any recognition for it, you know? So I think that's part of what led to this direction for this album. I mean, it's perfectly summed up. But where I was, now I told you last week that I bought these and Reasonable Doubt on the same day. I bought this on tape and I bought Reasonable Doubt on CD. This was my soundtrack for most of that summer of the summer of 96. I was running summer track. I was cutting grass and everything to be able to make money at my dad's apartment building in Northeast. And so this was my soundtrack, those two albums. This in particular, because I was such a fan of Illmatic though, and because I was a big Nas fan is really what helped drive my soundtrack for the rest of that summer. I definitely noticed that Nas was different. Um, you could tell that by listening to even the infamous and listening to only built for Cuban links or those guest spots. He sounded different, but it wasn't a bad different. I kind of felt like he has sort of switched up his, not even switched up his flow while his demeanor may have changed up. I kind of felt like his flow had kind of advanced for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Like I felt like hmm. even more so the lyrics were still, were still poetic. It's Nas, but I felt like, he had almost like mastered the delivery, you know what I'm saying? So I felt like the delivery was even better than it was in Illmatic and it sort of moved forward with the times. I knew that the production we were getting on this was not the same production that we were going to get from what we got on Illmatic, but I thought it was fine for the most part. And I stayed with this on steady rotation with a lot of different other albums that came out in 96 and it stayed with me for quite some time. And I was kind of miffed when I talked to some people and also read on the internet and read some magazines that 
such the variance of a reaction between what people thought about this album. And I was like, how can anybody ever think that this album was some shit? Like, I don't really, I don't get it. <laughs> like, what album are you listening to? Yeah, it's more mafioso. It's more gangster. It's more commercial. But if for what the reason why you love Nas and the reason why all of us love Nas is because he's a lyrical mastermind, right? Definitely one of the top five talent MCs out there as far as when it comes to his lyrical talent. How could you say that this is whack? <laughs> I just don't yeah, get like, it. I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, people just unless they just stuck back then. I mean, and granted, '94 was a tough year too as far as hip hop. Yeah, so, yeah. I absolutely. mean, just going back. Yeah, going back. Like, you know, his reaction to at the awards or whatever. Like, it's just something to consider as far as like you know. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I don't even think. I don't think he didn't write to be embarrassed. I mean, because it was dope. It's just yeah. Yeah, '94 was a tough time too. Like that it was tough. Yeah, it, it was, was like tough. I mean even. With like you know, West Coast still pretty much running the show, but still kind of like shifting back east mm-hmm. as far as like everything. To, as far as everything like Biggie Wu Tang, you know what I mean? Like pretty much like people like Skills running like the freestyles on Stretch Armstrong, Barbito, like yeah. I mean J Rule, yes, yeah, like right. a lot of different things coming out exactly. And then the South started to emerge too because Outkast won Best yeah. New Artist, and they were starting to kick down the door to what the hell we would have, and later on in the nineties into the two thousands where the South was running things, you know, so. Absolutely. It's, I think the biggest thing that I didn't like was the fact that people sold it and said it nah I sold out. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you sold out. Like, I mean, what does that even mean? You sold out. Like <laughs> what? I think like we use that. I think in our community we use that the whole sellout moniker a lot to people, and people don't even realize the whole understand exactly what a sellout actually is but i feel like we overuse that way way too much man and so that bothered me because i'm like yo he didn't sell out like come on man like that that and calling somebody a hater or a player that and calling some yes calling somebody a hater yes goodness and then within a couple of years of this that would that term would definitely be played out if you know what i'm talking about because it seemed like once uh, diddy started talking about people and haters and stuff like that all of a sudden it's like everybody in hip-hop was using hater to right. describe somebody man so anyway so this joint man i thought it was pretty dope um i thought it was exceptionally dope lyrically because i felt as though the tone on this like his storytelling like this is to me why i really think he stepped up his game as a storyteller like i mean you had one love and you had the story that he told on illmatic but i felt like he was really starting to paint a picture i mean a lot of it was a fiction yeah but it, it seemed just like the way you're watching a movie seemed like the shit was real. Like you were watching the shit happen and we'll get into some of those tracks later. So we'll actually get into that now, man. Highlights or favorites, whatever you have, Jay run down what your highlights and favorites are. And, you know, just let me know what you think about them and low lights. Yeah, if so you I mean, have any, obviously as well. Yeah, for sure. Definitely the message mm-hmm. like, um, watch them niggas. Uh, Nas is coming. Affirmative action. The highlights, of course, we're talking about. Okay. And Lord knows I gave you power. Like, <laughs> I could talk about, like, just the, just the impact of that song. I don't mean, I want to say it just yet, but. Man, that, we could do a like podcast. Yeah, we could do a podcast on that song alone. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, live nigga rap. And um, that's, I, I don't know if I said taking in blood, but like. um, Yeah. Yeah, those joints. Um, low lights. I don't want to say it's a low light, but. Without, with, with like, if I rule the world of street dreams, because I mean, I'll say it in the context, like, you know, these are the ones I, I hear so much, I skip past them. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you hear it a say lot. This about, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'll say it like this, like, well, um, that was one thing. I mean, 
I guess some people might knock Nas for, but I mean, track masters, you know, it's a good formula for him as far as like those radio friendly joints to get his album play and everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, good songs, but like these, these are ones I had to skip past. But, um, mm-hmm. okay, and the other low lights, I mean, I know I say it's a highlight, but I'm going to all say a low light part on what I have to go back to affirmative action. Okay. Okay. Reason being, <laughs> okay. Reason, reason being, um, because my just, just this thing came out '96, right? Yeah, yeah. That that I so 25 years ago, like that equation that Foxy Brown spit on the energy just did not add up at all, bro. Oh no, like, yeah, you talk about the math. <laughs> 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 I'm not saying math was my strongest subject, but I'm pretty I'm pretty good at arithmetic. Hey, just not add up. You know, like, add up, right? Hold up, bro. Like, because I remember she was like. 32 raw chopped the half 16 double the times three we got 48 which means a whole lot of cream like what's happened with, what happened with the other 16 like <laughs> <laughs> i'm just sitting there trying to figure this shit yeah. out like hold up you know like yeah. especially talking about dope so yeah exactly true <laughs> nah i hear you yeah i know it is like people trying to sit there and go through the math but um yeah i i hear you man the my highlights on here um the message to start out like, I, first of all, one, if I can sort of get out there, I thought the intro was kind of silly, especially the whole slave thing. Like, yeah. I don't know what they were thinking about. Like, who at Columbia <laughs> thought that would be a good idea? But that was that was a little silly. Like, come on, dog. Y'all could do better than this. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like... I didn't, think it was, I didn't think it was necessary. You know, it wasn't necessary. But the message coming out of the break, coming out of the break and within the first, what, eight bars, dissing <laughs> bit, Tupac, Biggie and Jay-Z, well, at least within the first, like, 10 bars, right? he dissed all three of them, you know? And all three of them took exception to that, especially Biggie. Like, you know, Biggie, Biggie made at least half of kicking the door about Nas. You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> and then we know what Pac did. I mean, Pac, Pac on Against All Odds came for Nas's neck, which is crazy because they that wasn't even supposed to happen because supposedly a week before Pac and Bach died, him and I saw each other in New York and had made plans to talk in Vegas when he went out there for the fight. Obviously, that didn't happen. But the message, that beat, and then Nas coming out like off the off the break, just guns blazing. Um, I gave you power. Like this is the only primo produced track, but my goodness, and it's like not the most complicated primo beat, but it's just. It's so still a primo beat. So primo it's a, in its simplicity. Man, I told you, man, his production just makes me mad. He's so good. That he's like, so good, right? It's like it's like the compare. It's like back in high school, like you know, if it, if it was like a sports team or something like that, you was on the journey. It was like somebody you knew you couldn't compete against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, man, shut up, man. Shut up, I could run this shit. I could run this shit, man. Like damn, like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Primo's still going strong, bro. Ex- so like, ex- exactly. Like, and he is my top. He's in my top three too. Side note. So, oh, of course, absolutely. Nah, I definitely, I definitely get that. And then the the perspective of talking about like he was an old Desert Eagle, like yo, <sighs> right. I mean, come on, bro. And then describing other guns he was with, the old tech. You know what I'm saying? I hadn't hmm. been fired in years and everything. Um, falling apart because of his murder career. Falling apart because of his murder career. I mean, yeah. So. Take It In Blood, um, produced by the Live Squad, which, by the way, is another point of contention between Nas and Tupac. You know what I mean? Because the Live Squad and Pac had a falling out as well. Affirmative Action was a dope-ass posse cut. I think I played this to death when I first got the tape. The run, really, for me, like, from, like, 9 through, like, 13 is, like, really, really good. The setup with Havoc, that story about the setup... And then suspect shootouts, 
And then live nigga rap with Prodigy, Havoc, and then Nas. Like, just my goodness. And then the track that's on the tape that a lot of people haven't heard is Silent Murder. You know what I'm saying? That's another one of my highlights. That, to me, is a thing that I think, yo, why Columbia didn't include this on the CD boggles my mind. It really does. Boggles my mind. If I ruled the world with street dreams, I'm cool with those too, man. Um, I think yeah. did you know, I, I think I definitely, like you said, if I do skip them, I skip them because I've heard them so much. But it's not because they're not good. If I were to talk about lowlights, though, I think after listening to it this past week, I understand why people don't really like Nas is coming that much. Um, one, I think the beat is okay. I've heard mm-hmm. better Dre beats. But Nas's bars on that are some of his weakest bars on the album, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? So, ugh, I don't know. And then some people have a lot of slander for Black Girl Lost, but I mean, you know, because I think a lot of folks put the whole thing about the Black Girl Lost, or does she owe you for ice? You know, I mean. Right. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. I mean, I don't, I don't really think about like some of the lowlights on here that some people have. Um, like so a lot of people will talk about Nas is coming. Some people will talk about watch them niggas and some people will talk about black girl loss, but I don't really see a huge problem with a lot of those. I mean, like to me, I think if there's a low on this album, I would have to say for me, it's probably after listening to it this past week, it's Nas is coming. Cause I felt like it was a little rushed, you know, even Nas's flow seemed rushed in that song, you know? So, and I know that Dre had just left death row and he was starting to collaborate and reach out, you know, across coast and trying to collaborate with people he didn't collaborate with before. So I think if it would have been thought through a little bit more, I definitely would have been up for a Nas Dr. Dre collaboration, no doubt, you know? So, but no, man, it's just the storytelling on here, man. When you talk about I Gave You Power, you talk about the stories that he tells on the setup, on shootouts. Um, just <laughs> It's like I said, Nas sort of like took that where we started to get that opinion of him, of him telling stories. It's like literally like you're watching like a great mob movie. That's that's when they get or a great gangster movie. Like that's the when I think about the imagery of the lyrics and the song as it comes across and dances across my brain. Those are the images that I'm sort of getting. And even now, even years later, I sit in awe and think about these, these lyrics, you know, how they stood out. Definitely how they stood out. I think that he was more of a polished MC. And while Illmatic may have been raw and it was sort of like him, like his raw talent on display, I think this was him a little bit more refined and well-rounded. And I felt like he was able to hit on so many of those different things that he didn't do on Illmatic. So now we're getting the notable quotables. So, Jay, what, what you got, man? I mean, all right, first couple bars off of um, the message that you hate, like, like you said, how he was dissing and came out blazing, like, yeah. fake love, no love, you get the slug, see before gusto, you lucked though, I didn't know, so I was, I was drunk, drunk though. though, you freak niggas played out, get fucked and ate out, prostitutes her and bitch, I got the gauge out, like, <laughs> I, was just, and I, just, I was just laughing, let's see before gusto line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah. And, um, I'm trying to think what was the other joint I had, like, which is going to be from I Gave You Power, just so you know what I mean? Of like, course, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> um just a, a way he just started off the second verse always admit some shit my abdomen is the clip that barrels my, my dick, dick uncircumcised pull my skin back and cock me I bust off when they unlock me. me results of what happens when niggas shot, shot me. me I see niggas bleeding running from me in fear stunningly tears fall the, down the eyes of these so-called, so-called, so-called guys, tough guys, guys for years I've been made, using robberies giving niggas heart to follow me placing people in graves funerals made cause I was sprayed like yeah. and yeah I was laid in the shelf with a grenade metal wrecked up tech with numbers on his chest that say 5209 3850 Harriet Sue to face hoping one day police would keep 
comfortable place where he came from. Like, yeah. pretty much the whole. I mean, you can put spit the whole dream, but the it was just that, yeah, that, that, that vivid, giant, like that vivid, vivid, yeah, this the imagery. This, <laughs> hmm. I showed up, it showed up, put like a like a movie in my mind when I yeah. first heard this shit, mm-hmm. like so. including that third verse to me is when he talked about yeah. dude came in his t- temple throbbing, eyes red, grabbing him its own, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that he jammed and wouldn't let him fire the gun and everything, man. You know, and then it's just like, yeah, felt, then he felt, then I, I grabbed the help. Yeah, held on, no niggas waiting to help hell for him. him. Right? Yeah. Then I'm happy until I feel another nigga grab me. Damn. <laughs> right. So, so my notable quotable comes from um, from shootouts, and it's from okay. like that part of the first verse. He was just like. Yo, release what's in me. Besides the handy, it's eyes to see the plenty. Fiends get skinny at the queens with a Craig Jenny. Instead of diet plans, it's crack 200 grands. I pump a G-Pack. People for where the D's act is slow. Looking for Rambo. The cop who got grazed back in the days. Chasing niggas through my project maze. That cop he got a desk with. You run behind niggas until you breathless. Every day he making 10 to rest shit. My niggas check this. I know the bitch he rest with. I even blessed it. 40-10 inspected. Already checked the done this angle. You can see his gun. Peep, he parked his Jeep at the back of the slum to check Tanisha, fat ass, real fly with the blonde Caesar, fettuccine summer gear. She puts the two seater. Urge she brag about the way he eat her. An Irish man, short and slim with a tan. They say he lays the chiba. She do be looking weaker now. Teeth the foul, speaking loud, people style in and out of every reefer cloud. Fat ass dissolving like cotton candy in the mouth, of starving. Rock the same gear daily like a soldier in my squadron. I heard she let Jake investigate from a window because she's a nympho. Fucking sucking dick and coughing up info. Then I went to set up her and the beast to get wet up. I know we vest up. We blazing from the neck up. You'll let me knock first. Soon as he opened, get your Glock purse. They had the chains on. Son hit the lock first. We busted in the cop jerk. Jungle popped one in his shirt. I grabbed the bitch by her tits. She tried to say she hurt. We saw the cameras, tape recorders, and the monitors. They on us. Nas, yo, we survived one from the four five. Pulled the shades down. They seen his last days now. There's no way now. We could be treated just like a slave now. Two in the dome, he's laid down. They yo, the bitch is safe now. She's lying in the snitch's grave now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, yo, come that's, on, man. That's a, a full on blaze verse, like, man. Yo, like, what the? Like, my man literally sat here and crafted the scene of a cop using a chick to spy on niggas in the hood, and they ran up in her apartment and killed both of them. Like, come on, dog. Like, come on, dog. How could you listen to shit like this and be like, this nigga took a step back? Like, come right. on, dog. Like, as good as Illmatic is. I don't even think a verse like this, like he was even capable of doing something like that back then. You know what I mean? Like not to say that he wasn't as skilled. He definitely was. But I think that like the being well-rounded and being able to do some shit like this, like he incorporated even having his man's voice, just like Biggie did on Kimmy the Loot. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. come on, bro. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. <laughs> Niggas. Oh my goodness. So before we get into the verdict, um, I sort of wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we talk about like the reaction that this has, that Mm -hmm. I think that the reaction for this has gotten better because I think if back in 96, there were a good percentage of the people that thought it was a solid album, but a disappointment or some people who were thinking that it's whack. I even think overall the public sort of like the way that we have in reasonable doubt, it sort of increased the perception has increased to where it's like people now almost universally acclaim this album, even with the whole track masters things and it not being produced by Pete rock and large professor and Q tip or whoever. I think really 
now it's like people have sort of like universally have been like, you know what? This shit was not really as bad as we thought it was. You know, I actually think it was a much, much better. As a matter of fact, depending on who you talk to, some people may feel a certain way about it. But I think that the perception has definitely improved just like the way the reasonable doubt did. What do you what do you say? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, like, um, yeah, because I mean, like I said, listen to it this past like this past week. I mean, I definitely have a greater appreciation for it. And then and I kind of tied it in like, you know, what I was saying before as far as like, the impact of it. I mean, yeah, because honestly, and it, and it goes back to what I said about I gave you power, because if we didn't have that, I mean, you know, not because even though I, I'll even take it before. Um, actually, I, I, just, I just put it in order like, you know, without that. We wouldn't have me and my girlfriend, you know what I'm saying, on right. a Machiavelli joint. Right, because even Pop that, gave we wouldn't the inspiration. Have Bonnie, oh, three Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, yeah. so like, yeah. that just shows like, you know, the, inf- <laughs> the influence that Nas had with that song. Yeah, the impact. And we talk about like some of the impact and the influence that it has. Lupe has often said, Lupe Fiasco has said he think that it was written his favorite album and it was his pri- a primary source of his inspiration. Royce the 5'9 has said that this album is better than Illmatic. A lot of people talk about some when they say about when you talk about that whole subgenre of mafioso rap, it definitely was, I think, pioneered partially by Cool G rap in the 80s and the early 90s, made popular by Raekwon again on Built Only for Cuban Links on the Purple Tape. But then this album, I think as well, sort of got people sort of in that mind frame of like, you know, you're referencing Goodfellas and and referencing like, you know, Scarface and Carlito's Way, which Reasonable Doubt also helped pioneer mafioso rap as well too, because he was talking that shit on there too. But I think almost even like this, this to me is like I said, listening to these stories is like watching a mob movie. <laughs> you know, that verse from Shootouts is like watching a mob more gangster movie. You know what I'm saying? Think can't tell me that you listened to that verse and then didn't literally picture them kicking down the girl's door, shooting the cop and shooting her, singing the monitors and the scanners and everything else up. Like you sing in the movie, you know, like I think that we talk about like the legacy. This to me, I think really helped to get into this whole subgenre mafioso rap. This continued when they did the firm and everything else. And that album and, as many times as Nas fans will come out and say that he sold out or he went mainstream or you went pop or you went commercial, like this album sold two and a half million records. This is best selling album still. So it's like, you know, yeah, like, uh, come on, bro. I, mean, I mean, I don't even say it's like him selling out. I mean, yeah. it's one thing. I mean, just for the sort of record, I mean, selling out, that's more so def, that's more so defines like, you know, you sacrifice your personal beliefs for like financial gain. Like, exactly. you know, it'd be one thing if like, you know, he was like, man, fuck mafioso rap and all the commercial sound, sound and beats. And all of a sudden he was doing all that. All of a sudden, okay, yeah, that'd be selling out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, you know, trying to adjust your style to appeal to a wider audience and yeah. achieve longevity. That's, that's, that's just a smart move business wise and like culture wise. You know what I'm saying? As far as I'm concerned. It's funny that Nas got blasted for that, but Jay-Z got praised for that. Even though Jay said, yeah. dumb, dumb down on his audience and doubled his dollars. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's crazy, man. But I think the legacy of this is sex. I think you even talk about something like with the hip hop, like the rappers, you know what I'm saying, themselves talk about like some of the things I've seen on Twitter and on Instagram to pop people to talk about something like, yo, this literally is Nas's other classic album. You know what I mean? And so I think that the industry now regards this much better than they did back then. And I mean, when I mean the industry, I mean the industry as a whole, because I think they were divided as well on the, on what, on the quality of this album. But 
um, I think now it's more universally acclaimed, not just among the public, but among the industry as well. So now we get to the test, the final test, the test of time to see what kind of album it is. Is it a certified classic? It is a borderline classic, a classic just in this time or not a classic. And then how we feel about it, seven being that we don't feel as, as strong and 10 that we feel as strong. So, Jay, what say you about it was written? You know what I'm saying like um, I ain't gonna lie, I was like wrestling with it before, but I gave it an, another listen. But when I really like you know analyze everything, I, I'm going certified classic, and I'm feeling ten out of ten on that one. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. certified classic for me, uh, ten out of ten. This album actually helped inspire me to want to write rhymes. You know what I mean? And I think when you get an album that's so good that it makes you want to rap. Like Illmatic, yeah, but at 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 that age when I was twelve years old, I wasn't really think about rhyming. By the time I was heading into high school, I was ready to like explore being a being a, a rapper. And this album helped to make me want to rhyme because I marveled at Nas's lyrical excellence and how he told stories. And that's what I wanted to do. And you look at the legacy and influence, and I think that it's improved. I think folks understand and realize that we were a little bit too harsh on this. And while I do think there may be a couple of low spots on here, overall, I think he he grew a lot as a rapper and as an artist. And I think that he became not just this underground MC that had crazy bars for days. He actually knew how to craft songs. You know, right. now people will can argue about whether he picked you know him being able to pick beats and everything else. That's still up for debate. <laughs> no debate about I'll that see, because I mean, and I'll just keep it a buck. I always say like, you know, beat picking was not a strong suit. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I even, I even say like, you know, the good best form it could have is like, you know, track masters for the commercial joints and maybe like Primo and P rock for like, you know, the more yeah. street joints. You know what I mean? That would, yeah. that, that would work in my opinion. Exactly. So there we are. It was written 25 years ago this week, y'all. Please make sure y'all go check it out if you haven't. Everywhere where you can listen to music and get music. As a matter of fact, they've even released another deluxe issue of It Was Written, an expanded version that has been out there. So please make sure you go check that out and uh, give this some love, man. I think we were way too harsh on this back in the day, some people. And I think that some of the public has come around to be able to give this the recognition that it truly deserves. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to any one of our social media pages in our bio in the link tree, you will get to all of our streaming sources and also all of our social media pages. Again, you can follow The Vault Classic Music Reviews on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube, The Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Search us there. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. Let us know what you're feeling. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, We say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.